0: Since we spoke. Does it feel like nine months to you? Oh, it's nine days.
1: Aye, because my birthday's in March, and I remember coming up to the weekend, and there's always a big Celtic Rangers game on, this it's really nice that they put on for me. Yeah. I remember St. Patrick's time. I, I'm St. Patrick's, I was just about 16th, 17th of March, about that time. It's always like a big weekend, a sport and all that. But aye, it's two years, it's, it's in, hasn't it? It's really nuts. And I've written two books.
0: I have spoken to over 200 people. And Andy Bollin, and you are a returning visitor. Uh, we've had Mike Calvin back in, Jim Kiogan, Wayne Barton's been back in. So it's around this time, we're having spoken to most people, I'm having to get them back because they've released more books. Do you imagine that the <laughs> European football wing is going to also be at Hamden Park?
1: I'm not sure if there's enough room in there because <laughs> we're running out of space because Scottish f- football so funny. The European one was always at the back of my mind, but I wasn't expecting... I don't know if this is counterintuitive or whatever it would be to say it, but I, I just felt that I just wanted to get the book How about Scottish football out, and I thought it was a good idea. But it's actually proven to be a lot uh, more successful than I thought it would do. Not that I mean, I was I was glad I'm glad it's doing well and it's so well and it's still sort of doing okay. And, but it was always just like a I just thought it was a good idea, and when, once I, I developed it and I, I, I come up with a hook about a museum and then basically the thing at football, all, all the items football doesn't, doesn't really want you to see, you can go anywhere with it, you could do like a South American museum and, and all that. But I thought about Europe and then I think I said to you before I started doing the, the Scottish book, I, I, it came out really quickly and then the European book I started shortly after it, thinking that'd be good to do because I knew all these stories, all these horrific stories about like murder and corruption and gangsterism and all, all the good stuff all these things from European football, and I was really kind of a keen to start that one. But then, for years and years and years, I've been de- developing an idea about Johan Cruyff. Nobody would touch it, and nobody was interested. And then suddenly, there was a lot of bikes from people out on it, and I thought, well, that's interesting. So, and then one publisher pitch who, who it came out on said, you know, like uh, we'll, we'll take up your European book, but it would, you know, it'd be great if you could do your Cruyff book. We'd like to do that, and and they sort of said, well, why don't you? put the brakes on it and we'll bring that out after. So it's like, well, excellent. Two books for the price of one. I've <laughs> they you are know, geniuses. Like
0: i tell you, I tell you why the geniuses pitch, because the FA Youth Cup final is April the 30th and my book comes out two days later. <laughs> it should sure so be. So it, it is as if they... That's a must-buy. <laughs> oh, it, it's going to be fantastic. It's all done. Uh, it's been edited and um, it'll come out May the 2nd where it will be shelved probably next to your books, Fierce Genius. Scottish, yeah. uh, Scottish, uh, and not far from Stuart Cosgrove's books as well.
1: Cos, Cos, I heard you Cos on as well.
0: Yeah.
1: So the the thing with the, the European book as well was that it, it, was, it was strange and it was kind of a fortuitous because I started doing it, and this is the point I'm trying to get to badly. That's why podcasts were made for me, because I just meander and <laughs> it just, just come back and forth. It's I
0: call like them podcasts. I started doing the European one, and then the Cruyff thing
1: came up, and then I had I basically I went back to it again. I went back to it with a fresh eye, but by the time I went back to it, the European Super League had happened.
0: Ooh. Maradona
1: had died. All these different stories had developed and taken off. Ah, oh, it's amazing. I've managed to get these things in. So the, that that was another good point about it. But but the the, the, the sort of biggest problem for my technical work, so, since we're getting a wee bit right today and all that, <laughs> I liked it, which is fun. But if we're going to be right away about it, the biggest problem I had with, with the European book was the because such, the stories were so shocking and you'll know this from trying to do it when you're sitting down to write things and, and if you've got a column, I'm just in case people don't know I, my background was originally comedy I wrote for TV and radio for about 25, 26 years I columns in newspapers I was just a gag I was a gag guy in Scotland me and a three other people four other people and we used to be sort of pretty you know productive and do loads of work and then that kind of just started to slowly evolve and change you get older and new people come in and then you were starting to sort of think well I'd like to do this and you start getting into your football you start getting into your music and you start doing all these things but anyway remember when I was doing my I was sitting down to do my yeah, my European book I was thinking right how do, how do we what, what is this all about what is it all about and it's all about tone it's all about managing to get this really, really, the only way you can sometimes get into a really heavy, heavy subject is by sort of, imagining you're like a university lecturer or, a, or t- taking a an A-level or higher English class or something and explaining to the kids, you know, well, this is this is how we get into this subject. You, you have to come into it in a different approach. You have to look at it at a different angle. So you're talking about really, really heavy, heavy uh, issues and subjects, you know, and then you've got to, the comedy background allow you to Get up close and get in underneath the counter and all these things working on.
0: It's all about framework. Framework and it's it's like have foreground and background. And if you've got comedy in the background, you can kind of look up at the sky and then focus back on the foreground, if I can torture that. Thank you.
1: Uh, You're talking about, just say for instance, off the top of my head, you're talking about Sunday, like The Balance, you're talking about Alexandra Villa playing. He, he He was the captain. France at the very first World Cup in 1930. One of the, the country's finest centre half. He was this amazing footballer it was like John Terry or something. He was like a superstar. He was like a great defender, modern defender, Beckham that type of player. He ended up being shot by fire squad. He's a traitor, a gangster, a murderer. So you're thinking, all right, he collaborated with the Nazis. He became an enforcer for the Gestapo. So you think, all right, this isn't sort of very funny anymore, right? But you got to. Then, do you want me to read? I've, I've, actually, I don't know, I've just because sometimes it's easier just to, to get straight to the point, and then I'll shut up. It, it's it's difficult to know where to begin with Alexander Villaplaine But to begin, we must. Villaplane was France's first World Cup captain, who led his side in Uruguay in nineteen thirty to a 4-1 win over Mexico, and at the time was his country's finest centre half. But he was also a treacherous traitor, gangster, and murderer who collaborated with the Nazis and became an enforcer for the Gestapo. stood by watching women being raped, prisoners burnt alive and Jews sent to prison camps. Its official charge sheet read, high treason and acts of barbarism. We do not expect this from our our footballers, that they might be sadistic monsters, and if they are, they would normally leave it on the part and be gentlemen off it. This level of evil is difficult to comprehend. But playing was a psychopath seduced by poor money. This is a tragic story, one at times difficult to process. So you start with that, and then you go in and you tell the story of the guy coming through, how he made it. And it's chilling. It's actually chilling to, when you hear it in black and white and you're thinking,
0: right, how do we, how do we get into this and how do we explain it? Well, I've got, it's, it's, you... I've got a punchline. I've got one. I don't know what it was like on the Scottish Sun yesterday, but the front of the English Sun was Kurt Zuma kicks a cat. Evil nope. barbarism! <laughs>
1: I know, I was thinking that as well. Yeah. I was like, even this morning, it was like the high moral ground. And I know we all love cats, and I, I'm, I'm a dog guy, so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I love animals more, than I probably love human beings, but yes, I know. And then we get this. I, I was actually doing something for somebody else, I was saying that, you know, we, we, we go nuts about the stupid, most stupidest things, and it is wrong, but see when you consider some of the things that have happened, some of the things that have happened are just, you know, ridiculous. Then you've got the... So you've got that, and then in the next, the next breath you're talking about, like, you're talking about uh, Jürgen Klopp's new teeth. <laughs> Do you know what I, mean? I
0: love that that's, chapter, that's by they, the way.
1: That's what the museum's like. It's just like you're going from the, the sublime and the, the serious to the ridiculous, and I quite like reading things like that as well. I think it helps you. It paces it a wee bit better, you know?
0: Well, hey, that's life. Sublime and ridiculous. Uh, before we go into the items in this book, this wing, the, I don't know if the wing would have a name. If you could name the football museum after any character in this book who would it be would it be
1: the idea of naming it after one player i, mean, I think you just need to put it under psychos i don't know who it would be this psycho psychopath, fascists nazis I don't know.
0: well i've got <laughs> i i've got a suggestion you got something
1: for me please do yeah please do. uh
0: gg moroni <laughs> gg moroni Gigi well he's
1: he's perfect you know about Gigi, do you know, but did you know, nope. had you heard about Gigi Moroni before? Not a clue. Well, Gigi Moroni was like this amazing footballer who was, he became like the Talwin George Best. He was a, a really fast right winger and, and he, he just loved playing football and he, was the guy, he was a classic guy, but he also did art, he was an artist and he, he thought differently and he had a beard and he had slightly longish hair. It was like, the, the Italians all thought he was like a hippie, right? Mm-hmm. But he, but he was just he was just this sort of cool guy that had slightly longish hair But maybe and you imagine in the, this is Italy in the 60s which was really like in the 30s he was also he had this beautiful actress girlfriend and they lived in sin which was just like he was going straight to hell there was no yeah. ways no about it but he considered himself an artist and used to get followed by the paparazzi and all that he was getting chased down the street and sometimes he had a pet hen <laughs> I... <laughs> the wee hen, and he used to dress up in pyjamas, you know. And he, he would take. He used to draw his head. He used to sort of practice. His, he was like Dali or something, you know. He was just a Picasso. He was just a nutcase, but off a, a, a lovely nutcase. He to off off colour a wee bit, but not like a footballer. Yeah. He was just, and, and all the football guys hated them, and he, they demanded them. If he ordered to get a haircut, it would make the front page of the all the the tabloid. So, but he was asked, but he dressed up his hand. His and went for a walk with it, and the press were all chasing after. Him. So he was just taking them, the, the mic out of them already, right, and having a great laugh with it. But he got killed. He get killed crossing the road when he was really young, right? And he was a super, he was an absolutely beautiful, natured, sweet guy, and it was just funny. And and and, and this, and no one, I like no one knows about Gigi. And I think I need to talk about Gigi. But he was a brilliant player, played for Torino. You know, I don't want to waste that. There's a, a very interesting part in the book which I won't waste because I was thinking it's quite. Uh, one of the mo- if you were writing a, a, a like a a Columbo or a Kojak about this, you, you couldn't come up with this ending. You could, it was unbelievable how he, the person that killed him.
0: Uh, yes, it is. Yes, so, and that's the reveal. I mean, it is wretched, yes. but it made me think that there's a book to be written about players who died before their time. There was a chap called Jimmy Davis <laughs> who was driving a car and got killed on the motorway when he was on loan from Man United at Watford. So he could have done what uh, Tom Cleverley had done, done, just become a Watford legend, having come through United um, <laughs> but would Giving your Watford colours away there the other, the other book, and I tell everyone this is the
1: the Scudetto winning inside the Lazio side of the 70s see the 1974 side Luciano uh, Regicone uh, the blonde angel, they call him I'm not, my not great, but the, he's, he was this prankster, he was like they, they made the, the, uh, the Wimbledon team the, the the Crazy uh-huh. gang, sort of like little, little angels. There, but they were just like, these guys were just not cases. But all and they all were playing practical jokes all the time. and he get killed accidentally in an actual prank doing, in a jewellery heist. Oh, really, God. the guy the guy had already been uh, robbed and they the, the owned it and they actually knew he knew that to be. They had their coats up over their faces and they came in with, with guns, or pretending they had guns under their coats. And the guy shot them mm. and the guy he was killed. He was this amazing footballer. He was at the World Cup and all that for Italy. But that was another one. It was just, like, tragic. So, yeah, apart from that, it's quite a cheery book. There's, <laughs> there's, there's elements of uh, fun as well. It's, it, but,
0: there's but, all your favourite items. Pickles the dog, Klopp's white yes. tee, the badger ponytail. The boot uh, that hit David Beckham, the brolly held by the wally. Uh, there's an wow. ejector seat. Uh, because I'm, I'm glad oh, Danny Baker Danny. got in. I was thinking about Danny the other day. Danny Baker, who invented the football phone-in. Uh, in the way that Jimmy Savile invented DJing, Danny Baker invented the phone-in. <laughs>
1: That's
0: actually quite funny. It's true. But, um, it's true. Jimmy Savile, a horrible human being, but the first people, the, one of the first people with the twin decks. Uh, obviously, because you've written these parodies of Alex Salmond, allegedly... Her. Is At this point, and we will, we'll go back to Danny Baker in a sec, but while we're on politics, at this point, you, you can't like satirise you, You've
1: always liked Sandy Trout. You, that was nice see He always liked Sandy. Sandy
0: Trout is the guy's name. But you can't satirise the current premier of England and the UK, can you?
1: No, it's, it's beyond parody. And then sort of got up a cul-de-sac and jumped off a cliff. But everyone keeps voting. And he's, he's still in power. Everyone keeps voting for him. I mean, politics is just... Uh, honestly, I, I just would... I could, I could do a five-hour podcast with you on politics.
0: So that This is I'm the podcast like, that you're going to have to do this. I mean, well, you, yeah, Stuart Cosgrove, just... Stuart does his podcast where he yammers on and then stops after an hour. There's nothing stopping you unless you've got a book to write that you're not telling me about. No, I've got <laughs>
1: I've, number 10s. I'm in the middle of doing number 10s. So, I, so I'm just number 10 in Boris Johnson. That was brilliant what we just did there. very good,
0: like seamless and us
1: Just let. Like, Michael Fabrican's wig. <laughs> <laughs> you have know, that one if you want. No, um, I, I try so, not to. It's just the people in charge, and my mum used to always say, we're led by the least among us. And, and I, I, it comes back all the time. We're just led by people who, do you know, they are just led by donkeys.
0: I'm trying to uh, go back to Danny Baker, but we will. Uh, number 10s. Um, have you read Richard Williams's book about perfect 10s?
1: Well, this is the strangest thing. About two weeks ago, one of my close friends said, have you ever read, heard Richard Williams? I went, no, but you're the third person that's asked me about him. And I said, well, I actually have read one of his, even though it was years ago, I read one of his books about uh, Phil Spector and I didn't realise it was the same man.
0: Richard so, Williams is brilliant. This is a guy who worked Richard for Williams Island is... Records. He was the A&R at Island Records before. Well, he wrote a brilliant book about uh, Phil Spector.
1: Yeah. What, would, what will I do? I can't, I can't look at it. One of my pals has said, I've, I've bought you a book. I'm going to bring it round. I've got COVID just now. COVID's in the family, so I've been oh. able to keep away. So I can't look at it. I can't look at it. Rivera. Should I look at
0: it? I think it's Johnny Rivera. I learned all about him and how he was Herrera's. Oh, Rivera! Name. He's an
1: old one, but that's a good one. But oh, he was a brilliant player.
0: Yeah, and who else that's in it? Uh, Bergkamp, I think, was in it. Zola was I've in got it. Bergkamp.
1: Oh, I think Burkamp in, Has he? I think so. I can tell you right now. I can tell you right now. He's my top 10s. Well, I've got all the obvious ones. I've got. Uh, I've got Zico as well, yeah. I've got, I've got Peli, Maradona, uh, Messi. I'll tell you something, I'll go back to Messi in a minute, but uh, I've got all the, the, the classic ones. The ones that are unusual, I've got are Yep. So and I have got. I've, I was actually working in Bergkamp yesterday, because I think Bergkamp's one of the most, probably a hugely underrated player. Yeah,
0: because he doesn't that's say fantastic. anything. He, he just sits, yes. unlike Mark Overmars, who was a bit of a prass recently. I put
1: him, uh, yes, that's mm. why I put him in, because I thought everyone else is, is really... And Messi's quite an uh, introverted character, very shy and all that as well. all comes out on the part, though, but, yeah. but Bergkamp was the same. And he was just, there was something about Bergkamp, I always liked uh, the, the way the way he approached the game. And he was just, he played football, and there's a cutting quote in the book about, from Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger just says something like, you know, there's certain players that just play the game above everyone else because it's almost like a, playing a spiritual level. He almost just... And, and they don't like it when people, people don't don't respect the game as much as they do and they just play football all the time. but whenever it was actually in my, my Cruyff book and I took it out because I was, I was planning the 10 book and in the Cruyff book there's was a, a real issue with Bergkamp when he's at Ajax because he's so good he can through all the systems but there's so in his character his nature which is a wee bit too nice He's still a wee bit too, you know, too laid back, and he's he's also maybe not walking up as quickly as he should. So that's thankfully that came out. And I've, I've got, I had a chapter, I had a, a paragraph put into a file, my, my number ten file, a few years back. And it's this bit in it where it's, it's Croy and Croy, What he did, it was genius. He took him first genius. He took him out. Cruyff was coaching Mm -hmm. Ajax at the time and he went in and he he, he used to always like to go in and watch how the the under-15s, under-17s, under-19s were doing before they came into the reserves into the first team. And he was watching Bergkamp and and they were worried a wee bit And he took him out. He said, see, tomorrow you're you're playing for the reserves. So he put him on for the reserves and then at halftime he took him off and Bergkamp was playing well. Bergkamp's like upset and thinking, what have I done? You know, I thought I was playing well. And he comes off, Cruyff puts his arm around and says, Away and get a shower, go up the road You're, you're playing for the first team tomorrow. Mm. You put him into the first team. He just wanted to see if he could do it. and He could do it. He was up against. He was in a, a team that with the reserves. You're in against men. You're in against guys come back from injury. Yep. Well, in this era, remember this is still was the eighties, so the, the, the late eighties. So they're still sort of. You're up against guys that are crunching you and really. And there was one thing that he always said that would stop my head with Camp as well. See training. He hardly ever spoke at training, but he wished to shout at his teammates if they gave him a nice pass, he could I'm I'm at training here. Give me give me the most awkward pass you can. Kick the ball as hard as you can. I mean, I want to be able to control it in a match situation. He'd be things like that and he and night and but have to help Henri and all that going, what, what what does he mean? What's he doing? And it was because he just wanted the ball played to him. He wanted the ball come to him in the way it would in a, a game, he coming to the ball coming you e sharp and deflecting off you and, and, and not clean but just you know you had to be able to do it quickly. Not half a second all the time got But I better come see my book.
0: I've right. got
1: a list. I was going to reveal it, but maybe I should shut up about it. No <laughs> well, reveal I'm, I'm dying to look at I'm dying to look at to to look at that book. Uh, when I get it but I'm, well, big, I'm not sure if I should or not Pele 50, Maradona 55,000 in
0: Cruyff's in it by the way first Genius was your book about Cruyff,
1: Cruyff. thanks Cruyff I, I never put Cruyff in it because Cruyff played 14 Cruyff can't be in his book oh I see put, so... put
0: only if you wear the 10 10th. jersey
1: yeah. yes it's got to be a 10 he wouldn't have put Cruyff I'm guessing he wouldn't have put Cruyff in it's all number 10 no, I... Put, my big... I think he did I've got Zidane Zidane has he put Zidane in yeah he has Yeah. oh okay <laughs>
0: But no, Maradona this is, amazing. but he did it, I think he wrote it in about 2009. So there's an extra generation that has yes, ossified messy, the memories nice of Maradona's dead, of uh-huh. course.
1: Whenever, I think it's maybe a genera- definitely generational. Because it's hard to, it's, a lot of the younger people coming through now all thought, think Messi's the, the number one. And I'm like, well, no, if you, you need to, once you read the chapter about Pele, you'll know no Pele is the one. He's number one. And then it used to be, for me, it would be Croy, would be third, second or third, but it's Maradona. For me, it's, it's Pele then Maradona. But I'll, I'll tell you a wee secret about Messi. See, after writing about Messi's life for about uh, six or seven weeks and looking really closely at everything and having to distill like, about 15,000 words down to about seven or mm-hmm. 6,000 words, that chapter about Messi, it, 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 I, I changed my, my opinion about him. I think he's higher up in the, the old time ever. But I say this thing in the book about the trouble that we've got with Messi is he's playing now and see for football and for memories. You need, you need memories. You need memories. You need, you need, a 10-year or a 15-year sort of reappraisal when I read to look at people in a, a better, you know, to away a wee bit of distance. It's like legendary state has come. It's, it's like distance plus time. Messi will be, I think Messi will be judged far better in 10 or 15 years' time. And what a story right at the end, whenever he has to leave Barcelona. It's an amazing story. It was almost like writing a novel about his chapter. But my, my opinion of Messi went up... Um, I still love Cruyff, obviously, yeah, but my opinion of Messi certainly improved. I'm not sure whether I should read it or not. I may have a wee peek at who he's got. And who has he picked 10-10s? Has, has he went 11? Has he picked um, a first 11? Because oh, I've, think... I've gone 18. I'm going 18. I'm going the first team squad. And they've got to be the number 10. They've oh, got to be the number remember. 10 is.
0: I think it's 10 or 11. But just on Messi, uh, I've got Simon Cooper's book about Barcelona. And there's a chapter... you one? Yeah, he, the, the chapter is How Does He Do It? Understanding Lionel Messi A curiously overlooked footballer He was predictably brilliant for so long that we came to take his brilliance for granted but Perfect. he reached the age of 30 without ever saying an interesting sentence in public
1: Yes, similar to Bergkamp Bergkamp is, mm. is like, is a footballer uh, sublime at times fantastic, amazing sort of, that mathematical thing that Cruyff had Messi... I actually had found it really hard to distill Messi's life down through, you know, each each year and each season. But you know, the thing with Messi is like he was born. I think he was born. And it's a sin because he we shouldn't we shouldn't we don't want them all to be I think the fact that he, he was kind of a quiet and a family guy and all that and he was it's just just his nature. But he's football and honestly his his, his records are just yeah. unbelievable. Unbelievable. Higher than hiring higher than all these guys. I mean, even de, the, the old guys always put in De Stefano on that list. De Stefano was, was one of the ones I started writing about and then I had to... There's a, an introduction where I talk about the people who don't make it in my number 10 book and De Stefano, I think he wore nine uh, and, and it was it was Puskas always wore 10 in that the side that they were in. So he wouldn't be in it and Cruyff wouldn't be in it but he had to wear 10 and it was the classic. It was the, the, my idea of I don't know what his idea is but the idea of my book is... The, the weight of the shot, because guys like Zidane sort of basically won the World Cup for their country. Pelly won the World Cup, and he, he won it three times, but he actually was injured in the second game in one of the World Cups. And they gave him, yes, thanks, they gave him a medal later on. They gave him a medal recently, I think, a few years ago.
0: Melon is lies. That is, that's an anagram of Lionel Messi. Melon is lies. <laughs> Uh, just because you, you were talking about people who were missed out of your book, you obviously have to stop at 100. Uh, but you talk right. about, what is it, David Ginola. That's what you should do. Uh, the last thing that you write in this book is an anagram of David Ginola, without, which is unrepeatable <laughs> on the family podcast. Uh, you are, of course, labeled Donny. Labeled Donny.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah,
0: Andy Bolland. And <laughs> I'm.
1: I use Lenny Bold a lot as a, a, a daft comedy anagram a thingy.
0: Oh, yeah, uh, I do.
1: Lenny Bold. Lenny yeah. Bold.
0: <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this
1: like is the... Uh, I've got half for, for the 70s. <laughs> We've yes, <got>
0: teeth. <laughs> he gets his head on it and he's a yeah. hard-tackling...
1: Magic Sponge, that's his nickname.
0: Since this is the football library and you've used your uh-huh. Stuart Cosgrove-branded yep. library card to get in to the library for a second time, uh, was the process of coming up with the European exhibits Harder, easier or the same as the Scottish ones?
1: Oh, a bit more uh, difficult and a bit more interesting I-, I thought that with the European one I had to uh, spread it out a lot more And, and make it more accessible, obviously And I-, I always think For years and years and years I used to always pitch books and pitch ideas And, and I always was dead writery And if- you know what I mean by that? Yeah, and, like yeah. Uh, flowery and oh, yeah, and, and thought I was like like writing for the Times or the Guardian, and I was like the top guy, and I was the big banana. And I, was, I was dead sort of polished, and my wanted my my sentences used to sparkle and zing and all that. And then I had a, a pal who who was a publisher, believe it or not, and he he said, you know, you, you've actually got quite a good skill because you've got good ideas. But you're, it won't matter. you, just, and, you and you've got a good conver- conversational skill. So you just imagine you like that's that's why I go on well with you Johnny because it just you can sit and talk gibberish and, and get away with it <laughs> and I, I quite like being relaxed. <laughs> no, I mean the gibberish podcast can offer, but the, the idea of just being relaxed, yeah. and having a conversation—it's you know, it, actually quite a, a skill to be able to. always say to people easy reading hard writing. You know, you have to put the hours in right. to make it like that. And, and So I, I changed my sort of approach. And then since then, I've got a, a few books. So it's maybe a, good, a bit of advice for writers coming through If people try to get stuff done. They don't care about your, your chapter one or chapter three or how it ends or anything like that. All they care about is the idea and how they see it on the shelf in Watterson's or any bookstore. They want to see what it looks like. Will someone pick it up and buy it? And then, see, to be honest. Your, your ability as a writer, or your ability is working hard and having a good, just having a good sort of idea about what you're talking about, and make sure you're engaging, and make sure you're, and don't talk down to people and speak to people as if you're sitting in the public like you're doing here. We're having a bladder here. That is the sort of that is what I've done with my tap with my European book. I'm a Scottish book. And I try to just make it sound like well, here here's here's like this this object here, and this this gives us a chance to to. Like a newspaper clipping, would give us a chance to start talking about Barcelona, and you you allow yourself to introduce the story. So you're you're, you're finding things. You maybe like, for instance, the uh, the Man United story. Like we started as a. Yeah, you know, like a locomotive works team or something. So you you get a wee train and you say, "Well, this is a wee train." And, and you, you take things, you take the objects, but you make it. No matter what it is, the, the objects just a wee introduction, so you can you can gives you a chance to talk about it. Malcolm Allison's Panama yeah. hat, for
0: instance. The posh word is ekphrasis when you're when you go off and describe an object. But yeah, Malcolm Allison's hat. Uh, I for the youth cup book, I learned all about what Allison did effectively. What
1: an a, amazing amazing coach, amazing. Yeah techniques and, and totally just totally over Sean B's playboy image and all that. So that, I thought that was quite a good. I quite enjoyed writing that and, and, and I learned a lot about him as well from it, you know. It was such a broad, broad church and when I was doing it, I was finding that I, was, I felt as if I was bullying the Italians at <laughs> first and then I was bullying the Spanish and then I thought, God, I I'll need, I'll need to get more in about the English, you know, but, but the English and, and the Scottish You kind of just nice, eh? it was all a dentist chair and all that. Yeah. It's hardly going to be in somebody, is it? It's not like... <laughs> <laughs> it mean, it's alright It's just getting a fill in The dentist chair And you would have the, I as just said earlier The wally with the brawly uh, I, I thought the, the, the funny thing with, um, with the porno With Wojnich And uh, Do Who on? else was it again? Dwight uh, York Thanks hi. Can I just tell you That one of the, the I've had Covid I'm, I'm at the end of the I've got like I'm, This is day 7 of uh, Isolation i the day 6 of isolation In Scotland no, it's so like, how and it, it's pretty weird, but I don't know what age you are, but I remember in the, the in the 90s, you used to, you used to go out and like uh, like, four-day four, four day weekends where it would be, and you would just be drinking every night, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you'd go and go to your work and all that, and, but you would feel, <laughs> you'd feel kind of, like you heavy are. and dumb and, and a, bit, a bit dopey, you know, just a bit, yeah. hey. it's like ah, that, so it's not, nothing to worry about. This is the Omicron one. But yeah. my wife's just got it, she's just got test this morning she's all and she's got a big birthday coming up so she's a bit uh, annoyed about bit of yeah. doing she's downstairs and a half but at the start it was uh, it was a really bad throat, and, and I was nauseous I always say nauseous like Woody Allen nauseous I'm nauseous <laughs> <laughs> I was nauseous like I, it was one of the Saturday nights so was all a big game on or something and we were all out and it was great laugh but it was like I knew I knew I was going to get it it was like it was like Ten years ago, it was it was as if the war was over or something. Everybody mm-hmm. was hugging each other, and the pub was mobs. It was a guy a singer on, and they was shouting. And do you know it was a great night? And, and we're like, right, what's the worst that can happen? We've all been double vaxxed. We've all we've all had their booster. The very worst, which just going to get that sort of heavy cold flu one, and, and that's all we've all we've all had it now. Because I still have to. I have a part time job. That I do. Yeah, I think I've told you this before. I work in the tax office a couple of days a week. Yep. And and whenever I, and we're still all working from home and and happy to do that. But whenever, whenever you, you go from writing about, about Jimmy Hogan and blooming Hugo meisel and all that, and the australian still national team, the under team, and then you go back and talk talk about bad boys stealing money for the for the government. Not uh, it's just like focus is like three point eight seven
0: settings. <laughs> you know, well, big no, news again. Very topical with all this kind of writing off the four billion pound of fraud. I think ever since I started reading well, Private see, Eye, I've been more interested in what's going on.
1: People have no idea, but the, the actual um, the the phone when they brought in all that, I was on on phone. I was on phones and, and talking to people. Yeah. It was horrible. What was happening to people? There's was an awful lot of businesses were, were stealing the money and paying off people because of the kids that were that were they hurt the most by it. People maybe 18, 19, in between years at uni. Is yeah. it not knowing what they wanted to do? Maybe working as waitresses, or working in bars, and working in restaurants and ho- hotels. Please, like, that. were all getting, they're all getting done over, and they were getting. Because oh well, you're not in that contract. You're in the, you know, the the contracts had all changed, and they weren't. There was no no yeah. backing. And oh, but well, usually if you go, oh, no, sorry, that's you done, and so they weren't allowed to get money because they were supposed to get money from the employers and the employers were just keeping the money. It was just, oh, just face theft. I quite liked it. A, a, kind of, a, maybe because of the writing and all that, you're a wee bit more empathetic. You could, you, were, you know, you're a wee bit of the human condition and, and, and feeling you could sense straight away that people were, you know, struggling. Panorama show in 16 seconds.
0: <laughs> That's real. And now, and now we're fighting over a footballer who was paid however much a week kicking a cat.